The reason that Genesis is such a, a critical book to understand and to learn is because every major doctrine in the Bible is introduced in the first 12 chapters of Genesis. And if you understand that, then you understand that you, if you get on track in the first 12 chapters with doctrine, then you're going to be on track the rest of the way through the Word of God. Because in those first 12 chapters are introduced everything from who is God to the Trinity, to the creation of man, to the doctrine of sin, to the institution of marriage, to the person of Satan, to the, the rapture, to the Jewish nation, and on and on we could go. But even more than that are the contemporary issues that are addressed in the book of Genesis. It's interesting, when you study over in the book of Revelation, it talks about an angel who circles the earth proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom to every tribe, nation, and person on planet earth. But one of the things that angel does is announcing that God is the God of creation. It seems unusual that that would be an important piece during the tribulation period to announce that God is a creator God. But remember, by the time we get to, the, to that point of great tribulation, we've already had schools and, and institutions teach that we were evolved from a lower life form and not created. And so mankind has been indoctrinated into falsehood. And it's only by going back to where you departed that you understand the spirit of the living God. And so every contemporary issue is addressed in the 12, uh, first 12 chapters of Genesis as well. Gender is addressed in the book of Genesis. It's clear. It's not debatable. It's not, it's not something that you have to wonder about. It's very clear. God established it, male and female, done. Marriage is set forth in the book of Genesis. It's very clear. Sexuality, children, and who is to raise them? That is, their parents and not the state. Social engineering and what's going on there. We see that happening in our day today. The failed attempt to control the world with COVID will next be met with attempt to control the world with climate change. Mark my words, it's coming down the road. And then transhumanism. We see that happening on different levels. We'll talk about that in great detail when we come to that place in Genesis chapter 6 through 9. And then evolution. We'll address that uh, shortly when we get into um, this order of the species, uh, so, so to speak, that Darwin put forth, which was really just a ripoff of Genesis chapter 1 and taking God out of the picture. Let's go back to the original creation. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to the book of Genesis. Should be the easiest book for you to find in your Bible. It's the first book. And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. You notice it's a statement of fact. It's not a debate. It's not asking a question. God simply, in the beginning of what? Of time, as we would know it, God created what? Heavens? and the earth. Now, the Bible says in John chapter one, verses one through three, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Now, in the Bible, the word word is used two ways. It's used of the word of God, the Bible, but it's also used of the living word, Jesus Christ. And in this particular case, it's referring to Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God, 
All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Now what makes that very, very important is to understand that in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, it says that God said, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, he made them male and female. So we see this creator God is creating, but it says, it uses a plural there, let us. And it uses the Hebrew word for God there, Elohim, which is a plural noun with a singular meaning. So when we talk about the Trinity, we talk about God as being one being in three persons. There's not three parts to God. It's one of those things that kind of hurts your mind. How can God be one being in three persons? Well, that's the mystery of God. The other thing we need to understand is that something went wrong between verses one and two of the book of Genesis because we understand something, and we introduced this last week. If you missed our message last week, we really encourage you to go back. It'll make this one seem so much more richer and deep. But the gap and the darkness. So in Genesis chapter one and verse two, it says the earth was without form. And literally the Hebrew is a word that means became. It became without form and void. In fact, in the book of Isaiah chapter 45, there the Bible tells us that God, when he created the earth, the heavens and the earth, he did not create them void and without form. It would make no sense for God to create something that was formless. That would be the first thing he would ever do in that manner. But something happened, something cataclysmic happened, and it says, and the world became, the earth became without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. You see, whenever something goes wrong, be assured the Holy Spirit is hovering over that situation. When darkness comes into your life, be assured the Holy Spirit is nearby. He's ready to start the work of recreation and renewal, of revival in your life. And it says that darkness was on the face of the deep. What kind of darkness was this? This was the darkness of evil. This was something going wrong in the original creation of God. And we'll we'll understand in verse three, we'll read it in a moment, but God said, let there be light, and there was light. Now that was not the light of the sun, the moon, or the stars because that didn't happen until verse 14, when God said, I make the sun, the moon, and the stars for signs and and seasons and days and for years. So what was this light? This was the intrinsic light of God. God took the darkness, and I believe this is when Satan fell from God, when he exalted himself above God. His name was Lucifer. And he said, I will be like the most high God. And God said, no, you won't. I'm gonna bring you down from where, back to the earth, and you're gonna crawl on your belly like a snake. And that's the imagery you see in Genesis chapter three. And so we see that God was hovering over this, but we understand something more about this. In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse three, it says, through faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. Now, it's an interesting word, the word framed there. It's a a Greek word that means to repair, mend, or to put back in order. In fact, that same word is used in Matthew 4.21 when they were repairing a broken fishing net. They were putting it back together so it could catch fish. So you see, the original creation of God was broken by the rebellion of Satan. It brought darkness onto the face of the deep. 
And God infused that with light, and he brought this intrinsic light into the situation. He said, I'll not let evil prevail. I'm gonna bring light in the midst of darkness. And he divided light from darkness. That's what it says. And then he called it day one. You see, what happens in our life, we know what darkness, when we think about it from a sin standpoint, we think darkness comes in our life. It's something unhealthy, something unholy, something that's not supposed to be in our life. And we know there's a line between that and righteousness or light. God wants us to understand the difference between light and darkness in our life. And we, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, you see, this is how we operate as believers in Jesus Christ. In fact, the Bible says, have no part of the unfruitful works of darkness. Paul says in Romans, what benefit do you now get from those things which you used to do that now bring you embarrassment? How many times have you thought about your, some of your past mistakes and said, I'd rather not talk about those? And the reason you won't, because they were unfruitful, they're unnecessary, non-beneficial, uh, non-beneficial in your life today. Because you want to come out of that darkness and come into the light of the kingdom of God. Amen? Now, let's look at the chart. This is the one I showed you last week, but I want to reinforce and remind you what's going on here. You'll notice that uh, on this chart, there's arrows that go in both directions. Uh, that is to show you that time is a creature word. Eternity is what God dwells in. God dwells in the eternal now. It's always present tense. That's why when you get to heaven, you don't age because there is no time there to bring about the aging process. We don't talk about God in the eternal past because there is no such thing. Eternity has no past. It has no future. It's always present tense. That's why we talk about it as the eternal now. But there came a point at which, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, God created the heavens and the earth. This is the original creation. And then Satan fell in this period of time. Lucifer fell. Uh, if you want to check those references out, you can look at the notes from last week on your church app. Uh, we have all the notes up there every week for you to, to go to, consult with, and be able to go back and restudy. But we find that in Isaiah chapter 14, Ezekiel chapter 28. This is the fall of Lucifer. And what happened? The world became void and without form. That was Lucifer was judged. And then when you go to, you'll notice there in verse 3, now God is recreating the earth. And then we'll go into what we typically think of as the seven days of creation, six days of labor, one day of rest. Now, what does the gap do? The gap does several things for us. Number one, it explains the age of the universe. A lot of people uh, think the earth is very young. That is 6,000 years old. I'm not one of those. I believe the, the world is very old. Why? Because I believe there's a gap of time between verse 1 and verse 2. A lot of people say, well, where are dinosaurs in the Bible? I can't find them. And they'll kind of sort through the book of Job. They'll find something named Leviathan, and they'll say, oh, see, this was a dinosaur. No, that was Satan. All you have to do is read that scripture and know that it is clearly referring to Satan. He's called the father of all the sons of pride, and on earth there is not his equal. So that's Satan. There was a great hymn written, A Mighty Fortress is Our God, and it was based on that scripture that Satan is the one that, we're, that is opposing the, the children of God. 
So it does that. It, add, it explains the age of the universe. It also explains the invis- invisible creation of God. You see, the, we understand God created the heavens and the earth. They're physical, tangible. We understand that God created us because we can see us, touch us. We've got five senses that can respond to it. But guess what? God created invisible things. Angels. Any other invisible things? Probably. He just hasn't shown us. Do you realize that, the, that if we could see into all the spectrums of, of light, that we'd be able to see things that we cannot see in the physical world right now? In fact, there's a situation where Elijah is there and the prophet, and, and the prophet is there and the servant comes and says, hey, uh, we're surrounded by a great army. We're in trouble. We really should pray, do something, whatever. He says, don't worry. Greater are those that are with us than those that are with them. And the servant looks outside and he goes, I'm not seeing it. You know, I think we need to do something here. And then the prophet prays. He says, God, open his eyes that he can see. What did he open his eyes so he could see into the spiritual dimension? And he saw that they were surrounded by angelic beings in great force. And apparently he must have given that same insight to the army of Assyria because they took off running. You see, you're surrounded by spiritual forces you cannot see, but they sometimes will nudge you, influence you, or even try to change your life or your behavior. The Bible says be careful that, that sometimes uh, who, how you treat people because you might be entertaining an angel unaware. The Bible says in Hebrews that they're ministering spirits for the sake of the elect. You realize that angels are given to help you in your, in your journey? Now, don't get weird on the angel thing. Don't get the angel witch and hang it up in your kitchen. If you know anything about that, that's not what we're talking about here. Angels also do not have wings, by the way. And all angels reveal in Scripture, all male. It's me. Your angel. Easy now. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. For by him... All things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. All things were created through him and for him. And notice this, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's Jesus. He is before all things. A thing is something created. He is before all things. He was not created. God is not created. Where did God come from? No place, because there was no place for he created place. And in him all things hold together. He, is, he consists of all things. He brings it all together. It also, the gap also explains the origin of Satan. This is very important because you enter into chapter three. You say, where did he come from? You don't know. But we have an explanation. It falls into scripture. It all adds up and makes sense. Look at uh, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9. It says, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth with his angels that they were cast out with him. You see, rebellion in heaven is not tolerated. In fact, rebellion against God is not tolerated on earth either, is it? You see, that's why when we walk with God, your, your life just gets better. You say, well, I start walking with God and I feel like I'm being opposed. Well, yeah, because you're a twice-born person living in a once-born world. You've been transformed. You're, you're literally a walking, living testimony of Almighty God. The Spirit of God is in you. You're like the temple of the living God. So when sometimes people, they, they, they feel uncomfortable around you, they're really feeling uncomfortable around the God that's in you. 
And the goal is to become more transparent so that they see more of him and less of you. Amen? And that's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to live in such a way that he's literally guiding your behavior and controlling your actions. Let's look at the light. Genesis chapter one, verses three through five. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good. That's a parallelism saying that the darkness was bad. You see, in the, in the middle of this darkness, he's, darkness is, is, is hovering over this earth, and God says, let there be light, and then he looked, he said, this is good. When goodness comes in, God acknowledges it. And God divided the light from the darkness. And when I think about divided, I think about cutting an apple in half, and here's one half for you, and here's one half for me. But isn't darkness kind of like that, really? It's not like we see the exact separation, but we know the difference when we walk in light or we walk in darkness. But light always overcomes darkness. Have you ever noticed that? I want you all to do an experiment. I want you to take your hand, either hand, right or left, and I want you to grab, just go ahead and do this, humor me, grab, now inside of your hand, hold it tight so nothing can get out. You got it? Inside your hand is darkness. You have a handful of darkness right now. Got a scratch here. Got a... Okay, I don't want to lose the darkness. Now what I want you to do is I want you to open up your hand, not yet, but I want you to open up your hand very quickly and I want you to look at the darkness. Okay, we're, I'm going to count to three. Ready? One, two, three. Anybody see it? No, because light is more powerful than darkness. That's why when you walk in the light, amen, when you walk in the light, you will overcome darkness. That's why the Bible says, walk in the spirit, and you'll not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You say, if you're always trying to battle the things that are wrong in your life, you never will win. The key is let the spirit of God fill you so that you're all, he's always guiding your life. So God called the light day, the darkness he called night, so evening and morning were, were the first day. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who shone into our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Do you realize that when I enter into light, it is the face of Jesus? When you walk in righteousness, you're, you're looking at the face of Jesus. When you turn away from Jesus, you're looking into darkness. John says in chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness but have the light of life. Don't walk in darkness. I don't know if you've noticed, but the world is broken right now. Now, it's always been broken. It just seems to be more broken right now. It's kind of like somebody dropped the vase and chipped it, and then somebody else came along, picked it up, and slammed it into the ground. Because it wasn't broken enough, let's just break it more. You see, we know the world is broken when children are considered the property of the state and capable of making adult decisions about their gender. That's when we know the world is broken. See, the world is broken when the Grammys can host an award show dedicated to the worship of Satan. We know the world is broken. When men are allowed to enter women's bathrooms under the guise of identifying as a woman, we know the world is broken. We don't have to be convinced the world is broken. What we have to do is be a transformation of a broken world. We have to stand in the middle of a broken world and proclaim truth and life 
and liberty that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. And it's the church's job to stand. You say, I wish the politician would do something. They can't bring in light. Only believers can bring in light. They can't bring in transformation. Only God can bring in transformation. We are on, I believe we're on the doorstep of a great move of God in America. Are you discouraged, Pastor? No, I'm not. I'm angry at the sin. I'm angry at the abuse that's going on for people worldwide, but I am not discouraged a bit. I am encouraged because I believe whenever things get bad, God begins to move because God's people begin to pray. They begin to fast. They begin to seek God with all their heart, their soul, and, and, and their strength, and they're going, to be, they're going to be game changers coming out of this. They're game changers in this room. You're already pushing, going, I'm feeling like I'm ch- gonna change the, 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 the rules and the game that's in my world right now. You, you, you hear me? Yes. Just take it up another level. Just take it up another level. You see, have you ever noticed how you get somebody like AOC and how loud she is and she's got nothing to say? Have you ever noticed this now? I know this is a little political, but you know, political, that's, that's a new word. but they listen to her because she's so loud. Hey, I got a room full of people here can get loud. You show up at school board, get loud. You just get loud. Why? Because it makes a difference. Makes a difference. Don't be satisfied and go, well, I'm sure it'll get better. Or I think if I get a better security system at my house, I'll be okay. Let me tell you, the best, the best security system you have is righteousness in the land. When that great Welsh revival came through Swansea there in Wales, the, 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 all the jails were emptied and the policemen were unemployed. The courts were closing down because there was no work. Because such a mighty move of God came that 30,000 people were transformed in just a matter of months and it swept across the continent of Europe there and then it jumped over into America to Azusa Street and it began to move. Let me tell you something, when the Holy Spirit begins to move, you better just put on your seatbelt because he's coming for everybody. Amen? He's coming for you. You can't hide. Say, I'm not, I'm gonna hide. I don't want that kind of stuff. Some people look at revival like it's the, the strange uncle that showed up at Christmas time and won't leave. No, I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit comes, he grabs your heart, he takes you and turns you inside out, and he says, you're mine, you were bought with a price, and you're gonna glorify God in everything you do. Amen, can you say amen? First John what, chapter one, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Think about that. If we say that we have fellowship with God, now listen carefully. If I say I have fellowship with God, or if I say I'm a Christian, or I'm a churchgoer, but I walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Ouch. We've got from preaching to meddling now. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, Jesus calls us to separate from the darkness. How do we do that? Number one, it's confession of sin. I venture to say that there are many people in this room need to confess some sin right now. Oh, you don't have to confess it to me. You gotta confess to the Father. 
And secondly, repentance. You see, if I agree with God, now I've got to say I'm going to stop doing that. I've got to turn away from that, and I'm going to walk in the way of the Lord. And when you walk in the way of the Lord, you know what comes with that? The fullness of the Holy Spirit. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. I love what Jonathan Edwards said, that when revival begins, it usually begins with testimony. A testimony of what God has done. It also has confession and repentance in there. It has the elevation of truth in it. So here's what I want us to do. I don't want everybody to stand right now with me. If we could agree together that we want to see revival. The Bible says, if two or more of you shall agree on earth about anything they ask, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. We don't need every one of you to agree. We just need some of you to agree, amen? We need some of you to act. We need some of you to be faithful, to be obedient. I want you to ask you, I want you to ask you right now this question. God, is there anything in my life that I need to confess to you and repent from? You know, it, it could be a lack of faith. You realize that's sin? Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. God, I don't have faith. I, I just, I have doubt in my life. And that manifests itself in a lot of ways. I don't trust you with my future. I don't trust you to, with money so I don't give. That, those are all sins. They're just sins of doubt. We have to release that stuff. Might be an impure thought, impure action. You just say, God, I gotta get that out of my life. Hey, the good news about this is, if you're feeling this, you're not alone. We got a room full of sinners here, amen? Right? I always thought a great sign out front would be sinners welcome here, all others stay away. If you're self-righteous, you know, you're not gonna hear this message. You're gonna think it's for somebody else and not you. No, confession and repentance is for every single one of us, amen? Every one of us, we gotta examine our heart daily. And when we repent before God, then guess what we can do? We say, Holy Spirit, fill me now. There's a clean vessel here that wants to be filled and used, Almighty God. Fill me, Holy Spirit of God. So I want you to do this. I want you just to bow your head right now and you can close your eyes if you want. I want you right now, you can do it out loud or you can just do it quietly in your, in your heart and your mind. I want you just to say, ask God to examine your heart and reveal anything that needs to be confessed and repented of. And I wanna give you just a minute to do that right now. Just take a little, this is your time with God right now. Holy Spirit of God, just turn on the spotlight in our life. God, I seek for you to just show me what's, what I need to repent of, what I need to confess, God. I wanna be right with you, I wanna be pure, I wanna be holy before you, God. God, just cleanse me now and wash me in the blood and fill me with your spirit, God, that I might live out my life for the glory and the honor of Almighty God. All right, now I just want to pray over all of you. Holy Spirit of God, you've heard the prayers. You've heard the cries for cleansing and for washing and for filling, God. And now, God, we pray that you will hear these cries and hear this. And, God, you will raise up a mighty army of powerful men and women and boys and girls. They're not going to say yes to the darkness. They're going to say no to the darkness. They're going to say yes to the light. They're going to say, fill me, Spirit of God. Use me, mighty God. Use me in Jesus' name. And all the people said amen. Amen.